Welcome to the Victory Tips Radio. My name is Vince Bayer. I'm the author of the Victory Tips program, which is a faith-based program for those struggling with anxiety and depression. Victory Tips is a peer-to-peer program, so peers can use it to help each other get well. And it was written out of my own recovery from anxiety and depression. My mental health problems came to a head in 2001, and I was, became suicidal. I made five attempts on my life. Since then, I began to get well, and as I recovered, I began sharing with others what I was learning. And this eventually led to the writing of the Victory Tips program. Today, we host four daily conference calls on Zoom, seven days a week and it's great to see lives changed. And recently, we've decided to expand our outreach by going into radio. And today, we are recording an interview with a member of the Victory Tips group, and her name is Nicole. So I welcome you to listen with us, and hopefully you will learn something that will help you or someone you know. So, Nicole, welcome to the broadcast. I know mental health has affected you much of your life, so I wonder if you would start at the beginning of your life and tell us if there were any events that predisposed you to having mental health problems later on in your life. Yes, absolutely. Um, Yeah, so with my childhood, you know, the first six years of my life were happy ones for the most part. Um, I was an only child, so it was just me, my mom, and my dad. Um, I was a very happy-going child. I was outgoing. I was social. I had a lot of friends. I uh, played on a soccer team. Uh, my parents and I went to church every Sunday. I loved Sunday school, and I was on the children's music team, so I got to sing, which was really fun for me. Um, But things changed when I was six years old. Uh, When I was six years old, my dad had an affair. And I was actually the one to discover that affair. Um, Of course, I didn't know that it was an affair at the time. I was too young to understand what an affair even was. Um, I just thought that my dad's girlfriend was like just his friend. Um, But my dad asked me to keep his relationship with her a secret. Well, you know, when you tell a six-year-old to keep something a secret, chances are they're going to tell. So I told my mom about it, and the next thing I knew, my dad moved out of the house. Uh, He moved to an apartment, which was about a five-minute drive away, and I would go visit him about once or twice a week and when I did we wouldn't talk much we would kind of just watch movies and we wouldn't really talk Um, so there's kind of a disconnect in my relationship with my dad Um, and while my parents were separated there was a lot of fighting going on between them Uh, my dad would come by the house to get some things and my mom and him would just start yelling at each other. Um, And I remember one fight that was especially bad, I was standing in between my mom and my dad, 
and they both started yelling and they were asking me who I would live with when they were divorced. And they both kept yelling at me, telling me that I had to choose. And I just remember screaming, like, at the top of my lungs, I was screaming, I don't know. I don't know. And that was the first time I vividly remember feeling anxiety. I really felt this uh, soul-crushing feeling of, like, anxiety and fear just weighing down on me. And uh, I started to carry that anxiety with me everywhere. Um, at school, I became reclusive. I became very quiet. I stopped talking to my friends. My family and I stopped going to church. I think uh, my parents were too embarrassed to keep going to that church and to have to explain to everybody, you know, that they were separated. So we just stopped going. And uh, I don't think I was playing on the soccer team anymore. So everything that I had enjoyed was gone. Like pretty much everything was taken from me. My family life, my school life, my spiritual life, like everything was being impacted. And I got more and more anxious and depressed. And I started crying all the time and I was just really sad. I lost interest in doing anything. Really the only thing that I enjoyed doing was reading. I think I coped with my anxiety and depression by burying myself in books, uh, by doing a lot of reading and writing. And during that time that my parents were separated, I was my mom's uh, emotional support. Um, she was sad and angry all the time. So I tried to do everything in my power to make her happy again. I focused hard on my schoolwork to get good grades because um, it made her happy when I did well in school. But I put a lot of pressure on myself to do good in school and I started putting my self-worth into my schoolwork. Um, if I didn't do well on something, my mom would tell me that like I could do better, that I wasn't trying hard enough. So that really impacted me as well. Um, and then something like totally miraculous happened. Uh, so my parents started going to marriage counseling and over time things started to improve. I don't remember like how long my parents were separated for, but eventually over the course of several months, uh, they worked things out through their counseling and my dad moved back in. Wow. Yeah. And uh, shortly after my mom became pregnant with my baby sister. Wow. Um, so I think I was around eight years old when my baby sister was born. And I loved being a big sister. I got to teach her, you know, everything about the world. So that was a very happy time for me when she was born. Um, but at school, you know, I was, I was still having some trouble relating to the other kids. Um, I had one or two close friends, but I kept to myself for the most part. When the teacher would ask a question and call on me, um, I felt anxiety like rising in my chest and up into my throat and it felt like I couldn't breathe. My face would start getting really hot and I would start sweating and 
I would know the right answer. I would know it, but I just couldn't bring myself to speak in front of the class and say it. And my teachers, you know, they would just kind of tell me to speak up, but they wouldn't really ask me what was wrong. Yeah, and then when the other kids would try to talk to me, I just kind of shut down. Like, I just, I didn't want to talk. Um, I would just give very short answers to them. And I think they took that the wrong way. Like, they perceived it as that I was, like, stuck up and thought I was better than them. But that wasn't true at all. Like, I really wanted to talk to them, but my anxiety would just get in the way. I had, like, one or two close friends that I was comfortable with, but anybody outside of that, like, I just, I didn't feel comfortable with. So, like, my family life was really good, but I was just still, like, struggling with this anxiety. Yeah, and uh, actually, years later in therapy, I discovered that my anxiety about talking to people was because of my dad's affair. Um, from that experience, I developed a fear of speaking out, of talking, because I had told my mom about the affair, un- about the affair unknowingly. And the next thing I knew, she kicked my dad out of the house. So I learned from that experience that when I opened my mouth to say something, there could be negative consequences and that people can get hurt or I could get hurt. Right. So I learned that it was better not to speak up, to not voice my thoughts, like to silence my voice because I believed that it would only cause harm. Wow. Yeah. Um, but jumping back to my childhood, um, sometimes like my close friends would invite me to do something like to go to a party or like even to go on a trip on spring break and I would say no because I felt too anxious and my friends didn't understand it and it started to pull us apart Ah. I think uh one day in class I think it was in sixth grade um we were doing an activity where we had to switch desks so everybody was switching seats like moving around to different desks And when I came back to my desk at the end of the activity, I found a mean note in my desk that said, you think you're cool, but you're not. And another time, uh, my best friend was writing notes to another one of my friends. And I caught a glance of the notes and she had written, I hate Nicole. And that just really hurt my feelings. Like, I felt so devastated that my friend would say that. And I started to believe that something was, like, wrong with me. Like, that I was only causing people pain and that, like, people disliked me. So then I really started to, like, pull back from people. And, like, during that whole time, I wasn't going to church anymore. My parents had stopped going to church, like, after the affair. Um my mom still like did devotionals and like she prayed and she kept to her faith but my dad like wasn't and still is not really a believer um he told me that like he just couldn't see how god could exist when there was like so much hurt and suffering in the world and that really stuck with me 
So I wasn't like really in an environment where I was learning about God or hearing God's word. So, oh, I saw, I'm sorry, my dog just started barking. That's okay. Um, yeah, so like I just wasn't really learning about God, and so God kind of faded into the background. Uh-huh. Um, but when I was 12, a really cool thing happened. Um, my family adopted my little brother. Um, so I got to travel with my parents to, to adopt him. It was my first time traveling out of the country, and it completely changed my perspective. Um, I saw like how the people there have so very little, yet they're extraordinarily happy. They have this radical joy and gratitude, and they thank God for everything that they have, even though it's so very little compared to what we have. So I, I really met God in the people that I met and God like showed up there and revealed himself to me through the interactions I had with those people and through the experience of adopting my younger brother. So I, I had the extraordinary experience of teaching my brother like so many things when he came to the United States. I taught him English. He loved sports. So I played soccer with him and I taught him about sports and it was just really, really fun. I was eight years old. Okay, four years difference then. Yes. Okay. So uh, even though I was struggling, like, in my friendships and relating to others my age, I had my two younger siblings who I really focused my love and attention on. Um, so then, but when I, when I started high school, I decided that it was going to be a fresh start for me. Uh Um, I was determined to put myself out there to make friends, to do well in school, and I joined the soccer team. And everything started off really well. Um, But then that fall, when I started high school, the conflict between my parents kind of started up again. Oh, no. Yeah. um, My mom would get so angry when they fought that one time I remember she threw a pair of shoes at my dad and like made a hole in the wall. So, and then there was one day when I logged onto the computer at home and my mom's work email was pulled up and there was an email from one of her coworkers that sounded like really flirty and it kind of, seemed to indicate that there might be something going on between them. And I didn't say anything um, because, you know, I didn't want to tell this time. Right. Um, But I heard my parents, like, fighting about this exact issue. Uh. Uh, And my mom started drinking again. She had been drinking at several points in the past, and she always started drinking when things would get bad as a way to cope with her own anxiety and depression. And the alcohol would just make her even more angry and like verbally abusive. Um, She would get verbally abusive towards my dad, me and my siblings. So I started having really bad anxiety again and I became depressed. And I lost interest in my schoolwork, my friendships, 
and the soccer team. Um, we had a big soccer game one weekend that we were supposed to travel for, and I didn't go because I was so anxious. And the worst part was that I lied to my coach about why I didn't go. Um, I told her that I had a family emergency. She started asking me questions about the family emergency. And I had to go like deeper and deeper into the lie to make it sound like a legitimate excuse. So I lied and I said that my grandma was having heart problems. And my coach, like, she saw through that lie. And she gave me a warning that I would be let go from the team if I missed another game. And I was so ashamed and embarrassed about lying to her. Like, I was so full of shame and guilt about that. And then one day, I found myself sitting in my algebra class I was 30 minutes into a test and I was just staring at like this blank test in front of me. I was so anxious. Like I couldn't focus on the test and I hadn't even written anything. And my head was just like swimming with these negative thoughts. Like I was thinking like, I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. Like I can't do anything right. And my entire body started shaking and sweating and this wave of intense terror just like surged through my entire body. And I jumped up and I ran out of the classroom and I ran to the bathroom and I just fell on the floor of the stall, just like sobbing. And that was my first panic attack. That was grade nine. Yeah. Grade nine, my freshman year of high school. Very good way to start your high school years. I know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was terrifying. Like, I I felt like I was going crazy. And the worst part was that I had to go back into the classroom and finish the test. So I only answered, like, two questions on that test, and I failed it. So all of my grades, like, in all of my classes were suffering. And, like, I started getting desperate. And... In my English class, there was a big project due. We had a teaching assistant who was supposed to sign off on our projects and I didn't have the project done on time. And I was so desperate because this meant that my grade was gonna drop to an F and I would be failing. So I forged my teaching assistant's signature for the project and later on, She came to me and she said, I don't remember signing off on your project. And it came to light that I had cheated and I had forged her signature. So she got really mad. She was yelling at me in front of the whole class and she told my lead teacher about it. And I was so ashamed and embarrassed because that happened in front of the whole class. And like that day when I came home from school, I felt so depressed and just completely ashamed of myself for for cheating on that project. I felt like I had completely lost sight of who I was Uh and like it wasn't like me to cheat like that. 
so I was just so sad I was so anxious I was so tired and I just wanted it all to end and I felt really hopeless and I was thinking about suicide and I found myself standing in the kitchen in front of the block and I reached out and when I touched the handle I suddenly felt like this shock just jolted through me and I heard this voice like it wasn't out loud it was like an inner voice and it said don't touch it so I pulled back and then I heard this voice again and it said you're not alone and it kept repeating itself over and over you're not alone you're not alone and then I, I heard it say like you will not spend another minute alone. I am with you. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and then I just got really sleepy all of a sudden. And I went to my bed and I lied down and I fell asleep almost immediately. And I drifted off into like the most peaceful sleep. Ah. And I really think like, I don't just think like I know that that was God working for me in that moment. Like he saved my life in that moment. And that was the moment that I really decided after that whole experience that I needed to get back to myself. And, and God was walking with me every step of the way. So I got, I ended up getting a zero on that English project, but I talked to my teacher and he was actually pretty understanding when I talked to him. Um, he gave me a few extra credit assignments to do oh. to raise my grade. Uh-huh. And I was able to get it up so that I didn't fail that class. Oh, great. And then I started working really hard in my other classes. I, I asked for a tutor who I worked with to raise my grades. And then I, going into my sophomore year, I took a step out of my comfort zone and I started talking to people. And I actually met a girl in my English class whose dad was a pastor, and she invited me to her youth group, and I started going to youth group. Um, So I made friends, I did better in school, and the rest of my high school years went by pretty smoothly. Really? Um, So how was was the anxiety then through the last three, four years? It would come up um, at certain times in like certain situations, Uh Um, but I felt like because I had a strong support system, like I had friends, um, I was able to kind of cope with it better. Okay, Um, so would you say that you enjoyed the the remaining years in high school then? I did, yeah. I really did. Nice. Yeah. Um, There was still conflict at home. Uh, my mom was drinking, but I was able to kind of block it out, like with my friendships and everything good that I had going on at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at church? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you stayed, you kept going to that youth group all through high school? Um, I think I went for like uh, sophomore and junior year. Mm-hmm. And then senior year, I got really busy my senior year and I just like didn't have the time to go. Okay. Yeah, um, 
but then I, I also had my relationships with uh, my siblings, which were really good. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I had a lot going well. So uh, what, what would you say to young people who aren't going to a youth group yet? I would say, you know, it, it might, if, especially if you have anxiety, like going to a youth group sounds really intimidating. Like I was really nervous when I first went, but just know that you can take your time with it and like just kind of ease into the group and eventually, you know, you make connections and you start developing friendships and really like the friendships that I made were kind of what saved my life through the rest of high school. So it's definitely worth taking a chance of going. Right. Good point. Yeah. So, and then I got into college and I went to college, um, and my first year of college was tough. Um, I went through a breakup. My high school boyfriend and I broke up. And I had a hard time relating to the people in my dorm. Because um, I was living on campus in a dorm. Mm-hmm. And I worked while I was in college. So I was busy at work um, while, like, none of the other people in my hall really had jobs and like they were hanging out a lot and you know they were kind of developing friendships um they were bonding and I like wasn't really around a whole lot um and another part of that was because I still lived in the same like town as my parents and my siblings Mm -hmm. and I would go over to my house like to check on my siblings and make sure that like they're doing okay um you know, with the conflict going on at home with my mom's drinking right. um, becoming the main issue. Uh-huh. Um, so I spent a lot of time, like, going home to kind of check in on things. Right. And I feel like I kind of was missing out on a lot of college stuff, um, experiences. Right. Uh-huh. And then my roommate in college, my freshman year, decided to move out of our room, and she moved into another room, because she was good friends with the girl in the other room and she wanted to like be with her friend. So she left me by myself in, in our room. So then I started feeling isolated and the depression was creeping back in. Um, but I, I kept moving forward. Um, eventually I chose a major and I started making friends in my major, like in my classes in my major. And I met another guy who I started dating and I fell in love with, and he's my husband now. Nice. Um, so I, I studied really hard. I was getting amazing grades um, in college. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought that like doing well in college, um, getting good grades would make my mom happy Um, but my mom was continuing to suffer from her own depression and she was continuing to drink. Um, she had become an alcoholic. She was drinking more and more because she was building up tolerance. Um, she was becoming angrier and angrier, like less recognizable. It was, and it was like, she was slipping away. Right. The mom I knew and loved was gone, like long gone. And I was grieving for her loss, even though she was still alive. I felt this intense grief. Uh 
and I would do everything in my power to try and fix it, like to try and make her happy, but nothing seemed to work. And I think it was my sophomore year of college, um, I think in the spring semester, I started struggling with anxiety really badly again, and I was having panic attacks every single day. Um, I was throwing up from the panic attacks and losing a lot of weight, so I became really skinny. Um, I started suffering from insomnia. Sometimes I would go entire nights without sleeping. I think one time I went like over 48 hours without sleeping. I felt myself like burning out. Like I was at the end of my rope. Mm. I had no energy because of the panic attacks. Mm-hmm. They were physically exhausting. And then the sleep deprivation. And then I started feeling that hopelessness again. Mm-hmm. Like I was thinking like, am I ever going to get out of this? Like, am I going to have to suffer with this anxiety and depression for the rest of my life? Because that didn't really sound like a life worth living. Exactly. Um, So one day I was sitting alone in my room, and I just decided I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, I was too exhausted to go on another day like that. Um, But luckily I had a good support system. So before I did anything, like I had the the good sense to call my boyfriend, and he came home from work to be with me and like we just sat and talked and we made a plan um and i i went into partial hospitalization for suicidal thoughts and i took some time off of school to go through a treatment program for my depression and anxiety and it was really hard at first um because I felt like I had failed in some way, like by having to take time off of school. Um, I felt like, you know, I was a loser or something. And my mom, like she was really upset, you know, that I did that and she didn't understand it. Um, And yeah, so it was hard, but eventually, you know, I learned not to care about what anybody else thought. And for the most part, um, like, I had people from my class text me, like, to ask me, like, what happened? Like, where are you? And, you know, when I, I was honest with some of them about what was going on, and they were actually really understanding. And they were like, that's great. Like, you need to take time for you. Like, your mental health is most the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of surprised me, like, how understanding people were. Because I felt like it was the end of the world, but others were, like, super understanding. But then I realized that, like, my self-worth isn't defined in my grades. Mm -hmm. For so long, I'd been putting my self-worth into, like, my academics. And I started to learn that that's not how my self-worth is defined. Um, So eventually, like, going through this treatment program and, like, coming to some of those realizations, I I found some freedom um, from my anxiety and depression. I took time to get back into myself, to do things that I enjoyed, to practice gratitude, to focus on friendships. And I think most importantly, I focused on my faith. Um, I I started reading my Bible again. Mm -hmm. It had been a long time since I'd even picked it up. Um, 
And so then I found a job. Um, I got my bachelor's degree and then I found a job and my boyfriend and I were engaged and we started planning our wedding. And so I was really happy. Um, and then one day when my husband got home from work, um, he was still my fiance at the time. Uh, he asked me to sit down on the couch and he said he needed to talk to me. So I sat down and he told me that a missing persons report had been filed for one of my close friends and that her husband was also missing. And I was in complete shock. It had been a while since I had talked to my friend um, because I had moved and we lived in different cities. Um, and a few days later, we learned that her husband, her, and fled the country. And I was absolutely devastated. Like, I, I thought, like, God, like, how and why would you let this happen? Because she was one of the most genuine, loving, and kind people I had ever known. So why would she, of all people, have to be taken in, in such a violent and traumatic way? Right. Um, so after college, I had moved, and I tried going to a few different churches in my new area. Um, but at each of them, I had negative experiences where I didn't exactly... Um, I'm trying to think of how to say it. I didn't exactly fit the mold of like the type of Christian that they were looking for. Uh -huh. And I felt like judged and rejected by them. Uh -huh. um, but I knew that I needed help in working through my grief. And I found a church nearby that offered a grief support group. So I started going to the support group and I shared my story and the, st the story of my friend um, at the grief support group, but they started making like judgmental comments about my friend and like her background when I told them her background uh -huh. and like, I mean, they were like being hateful and it was extremely upsetting. Um, I walked out of the group because I was so hurt and angered by the terrible things they said. And that only fueled my anger with God. Um, you know, I was like, if these are God's people and they're so ignorant and like judgmental, then I don't want anything to do with them. So I was really angry with God and like, I wasn't even sure if he existed anymore. Like I was questioning everything. And so I turned away from him in my anger and like felt really distant from him. Um, so I was grappling with grief, depression, and anxiety all on my own. Because wow. after my friend's murder, my anxiety got bad. Really? Um, I started feeling like really on edge. Um, my thoughts would race. I had a difficult time focusing. 
I became like extremely forgetful. I had nightmares. My insomnia came back and I was not sleeping well. Um, and I did get help. I went to therapy and I started on some new medications, which helped, but I still felt this emptiness inside of me and I still like really struggled and I'd go in and out of like these intense episodes of depression and anxiety. My grief was so intense and it was amplified by my mom's worsening alcoholism. My mom was still in a spiral with her addiction. And so I was grieving for her in addition to my friend. Um, I, I had lost two of the people closest to me, like my own mother and then my good friend. And it, it felt like nothing could ease my sadness. Um, but during this time of grief, I, I started hearing that inner voice again. The same one that I had heard like when I was a freshman in high school. And it started out really small, just like this quiet voice within. And it would say, like, forgiveness is the only way. Really? And I, but I would hear that voice, and I would just get angrier. And I would say, like, no, like, that, how could I possibly ever forgive my friend's husband for what he did? Right. And I would push that voice away. Um, and I think, like, my grandma had mentioned something about forgiveness to me, and, um, I like was listening to this like it might have been like a TED talk or something I was listening to it and it was talking about forgiveness and um but I just kept getting so mad every time I was hearing about forgiveness um but it it just started getting louder and louder like that inner voice over time telling me like forgiveness is the only way and and then one day I was just crying um just because I would go through these really intense like crying spells and I was just sobbing one day and I just I heard that inner voice like loud and clear it was like forgiveness is the only way and I finally surrendered to it and I I said I forgive you and I addressed her husband by name I said it out loud I said I forgive you for what you did and I chose to forgive him because it was what my friend would have done she was that good of a person that she would have forgiven him even after what he did to her. Right. Um, and I also forgave him for my own freedom because he was holding me back by making me angry. Right. And why would I choose to let him have any power over me uh-huh. and cause me hurt and sadness because he'd already caused enough hurt. He'd already caused enough pain through what he did. And I couldn't let him do that anymore. Right. So I chose to forgive him. And then I heard that voice again. It was saying, you're not alone. It's the same thing I heard um, when I was about ready to commit suicide my freshman year of high school, saying, you're not alone. Uh-huh. And I was filled with this feeling of peace. Nice. Like It felt like after a long fight, like on a long journey, I was home and like I was free again. Nice. It, it really was like this this crazy experience where like I felt like I was given wings and like 
I was flying above everything that had happened in my life. I was just like reviewing everything that had happened in my life, looking down over it while I was flying over it. And suddenly it all made sense. Nice. And, like, it all came together. Uh-huh. And I knew that God was there in every moment, whether I had recognized it at the time or not. And like, I came back to my faith. Um, in all of my life experiences, faith has been like the thing that I keep coming back to over and over, no matter how many times I fall away from it. Um, and it brings me peace and happiness every time I come back to it. And like my faith means that I don't have to carry the trauma of my past on my shoulders. Like I can move past the pain in my life and I can live with radical joy. And it, it also means I don't have to fear what's coming next. Um, no matter what happens, I can turn to my father in heaven and he will offer me grace, peace, love, and understanding. And this, this year of 2020, 2020 has brought a lot of anxieties and uncertainties. And I've struggled again with mental health challenges. Uh-huh. Um, but I've realized it is so much easier to live through my mental illness when I'm walking with God. Before, when I was struggling with anxiety, I thought I had to handle it alone like that I was alone in the fight. I had friends and family, but I didn't want to burden anyone with my issues. Um, I felt so guilty every time I was struggling because I felt like I was being a downer or my depression or anxiety was impacting others like in a negative way. But now I realize I'm never alone and I never have been. God has seen me through every negative situation I have faced and I've come out of those situations successfully. Nice. Um, yeah, and, and during this year of 2020, um, you know, I reached a point when I was really struggling. And I think I, I Googled depression and anxiety support groups because um, I wanted to find like a mental health support group. And I came across the Victory Tips program. And I was like nervous when I um, went into the first zoom meeting um i was like i didn't know what to expect and um but i am so glad that i i did because it's helped me to strengthen my faith even more so um it's given me you know positive affirmations god's of based on god's word um things that i can meditate on and i can start my day with to make sure i'm in the right mindset when i start my day and, you know, it's really incredible um, how I've gone so many times, like losing my faith, and then I've come back to it. Um, but Jesus says in the Bible that all we have to do is have faith the size of a mustard seed and that nothing will be impossible. A mustard seed is so tiny. Uh-huh. And yet Jesus says that faith the size of a tiny mustard seed can move mountains. So I have the ability to move mountains if I only believe that they can be moved, which is really powerful. So to anyone listening, I just want to say that you don't need a huge amount of faith to change your story. Even the tiniest amount of faith or hope 
for a better life can lead to big changes. I don't care who you are, what you've done, how unworthy you might feel. Jesus doesn't care either. He sees you. He, He sees you and all you have to do is have the tiniest amount of hope, put the tiniest amount of faith in Jesus that he'll show up for you and he will, I promise you, he will show up for you. Don't ever give up and don't ever lose hope.